0: Welcome back to Cast Me To Hell with me Seb
1: and with me Robbie
0: and here we are on episode 49 (laughs) Uh, and we are visiting uh, Nosferatu.
1: It is 100 years since uh, this German silent film was released. So we thought we'd celebrate it with, uh, with a special episode dedicated to its 100 year anniversary. Um, I think obviously this is the oldest film we've covered on the uh, podcast so far. Absolutely, but, yeah. but I also think this is the oldest film that I've actually seen. I don't know about you, Seb. But how do you seen this before, or have you seen an older film? Um,
0: I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through. Uh, obviously, anyone's seen like clips and stuff like that in a lot yeah. of horror films. There's clips of this film, um, but in when I did um, film studies uh, at uni, I did study like certain parts of this film, um, and I, I have seen a, I have seen older films than this because I know the the, the films of George Melies. Uh, who was the um, known uh, French uh, director uh, who created a whole, pretty much created the landscape for cinema kind of thing, the whole idea of stop motion and camera play and stuff like that. Like He he created all of that. Um, he, he's technically the one who made the first ever horror film as well, George Millian. Oh, what is it? Uh, well, technically, I mean, we say first ever horror film now they say first ever horror film but technically short film um when we're talking about it and it's uh was it the night I'm trying to remember the house of the devil I say not night of the devil the house of the devil well yeah um, and 1896 <laughs> hell bad yeah so <laughs> I'd like um, the, the most thing that George Brother is known for is the classic, um, uh, is where the you see the rocket fly into the moon's eye. That's the, yeah. the first ever like proper, like, like things like obviously before that you had like the train moving towards the people in the tent, like yeah. that kind of movement, or the, the horse jumping kind of thing that like so that was played into. I don't know if you saw the trailer for Jordan Peele's Nope,
1: yeah, I saw that
0: but it had the whole, the horse running, like that was the first ever movement. But George Méliès is the one that really turned it from just like images of interesting things into this kind of landscape of, oh, look at the tricks. Look at how we could tell a story with this. It's not just images of the world around us. We can actually tell a story with this. So he created yeah. a whole load. Like if you, if you search for, if you search for like the first ever horror films and stuff like that, it's it, it just, it's just, tons of George Melies films before you get to other horror kind of uh, other people who made. So, you know, Cave of the Demons um, and um, you've got an early one, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, not George Melies, but that was probably the earliest of a longer kind of horror film, like 36 minutes long. Um, Things like The Golem or The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I've uh, heard of course, yeah. In 1920, like 67 minutes, that's when we were starting to get. Um, uh, but the longest before Nosferatu, because Nosferatu has a fair length to it, is the Phantom Carriage, which is kind of a fantasy horror film. Uh, but Nosferatu is, the, is probably the one that most people would see as the first full, fully fleshed out horror film, I'd say. Yeah. The so story oh. was there, the ideas were there, and it was based on a classic text.
1: <laughs> I, I mean that's the the thing that stuck out most to me was um obviously when i first got this is the first time i've, I've viewed this film um and obviously i've i've like like you i've heard of a lot of a lot of it and i've seen a lot of the classic images and um, clips and the bits of the soundtrack and stuff like that but for the most part this is the first time i've actually sat there and watched it and i was kind of a. I was kind of amazed at the runtime uh, because apparently there's, you know, there's a, there's a 63 minute version. And then there's a 94 minute version. Um, And that's the one that I watched on Shudder was the 94 minute version. And just the length of the film was, uh, was something that kind of really stuck out to me at first. Um, There was kind of a lot that I kind of did notice. um, And it was this, like you said, it's, you could. It's a product of its time, but it's. It is. You know. There's bits that, yes, kind of looking at it now made me laugh, and there is, you know, certain parts like that. But I think for the most part, um, it really, it really is a product of its time, um, and you could tell that in the fact that there's kind of just one, one camera shot kind of used, uh, and it's just a, you know, it's a very, uh, it's just a static kind of average shot there's no real you know there's no zooms there's no real following around it's kind of it's really interesting to see it like that and the way in which it's acted is also kind of so different to contemporary films because it feels like you're watching a stage play Um, everything is kind of so is almost quite over-exaggerated and is quite larger than life. You know, they would have done that in theaters and and stage plays because you know they have a large audience who need to be able to see it. If you're sitting all the way up at you know uh, in the balcony or all the way back at, at the stands, you need to be able to see what's happening. And I think you can see that is still kind of kept in this, even though obviously it's uh, it it it's a to- well, it's not a talkie, is it? I don't know what they were. It's a silent film. No, yeah, it's definitely um, not a
0: talkie. It's, it's not a talkie,
1: yeah. But before we got to the talkie era. Yeah, before we got to the talkie era. and another thing that I didn't actually realize was that um, I always thought Nosferatu was its own kind of original story. So I found it quite interesting when when it first opened up and it did say that it, you know, it is kind of an adaption of um, you Know Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, which I believe was in 1897, I think that one came out. Um, yeah. but so, for some reason, I couldn't find out why there were the name changes and the location settings. It, you know, I thought it might have been to do with I have, copyright. I have, but I, don't know.
0: I have the information for you. <laughs> uh, thank you, sir. I have found that out. Um, yeah, it's, it's got quite a, an interesting history behind it. If I uh, step back a step, because uh, I remember you messaging me during um, during watching it, saying that you mentioned feeling quite classy. Yeah. Because <laughs> you were watching this like silent symphony of like it like because it, it like it is like a Nosferatu like a simple little like symph sympho, uh, symphony sorry of death kind of thing, and and the film does because it's a silent film and it has the orchestra to go along with it. I mean, this is definitely a film that. Although me watching it on my screen, it felt a little bit underwhelming purely because I feel like this is the kind of film that you should be seeing on a big screen with an orchestra there playing along to you. But I yeah. feel like that would be a completely different experience. I feel like me watching it on my screen at home during the day doesn't really bring the life to this film that it probably needs. Um, yeah, I
1: imagine watching it with an orchestra would have been incredible.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's the kind of one that I would like um, ambition to actually see on a big screen, because I feel like I couldn't really appreciate it, I couldn't draw it in, and sadly, I think for our modern day, it's it's a film that you literally actually have to be constantly paying attention to, (laughs) whether it's the, the, the dialogue on the screen, or the music, or what the characters are doing, there were lots of times when I quickly was like, oh, I just, I just quickly need to look at my phone to, to do this, like someone's message me. I was just quickly going to mess with the back and I looked up and I was like, what did I just miss? <laughs> what did yeah. <have> I miss? <laughs> um, so you literally need the classic cinema of like, you're in a cinema, you're watching it on a big screen, you've got the music clear, so you can clearly hear the fantastic score and that you yeah. are just kind of drawn into it and there's nothing with your phone or your house or something going on. And, oh, I quickly need to go and do that. I need to go. It's not that kind of film. You, it, It's not a film that is adapted to our modern day lack of attention.
1: No, definitely. <laughs> um, I'm with you on that. Um, but it's, it's also, a, I think, yeah. because it's, it's, it is 1922, uh, I think because cinema has gone on so far, I think it's... You know, it's very kind of clear who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. You know, if uh, the character that came to mind for me was Knock. You know, um, the yeah, first. The, you know, who is effectively the, um, Redfield,
0: a state agent owner. Yeah, who's yeah, yeah. effectively
1: <laughs> Redfield. You know, um, and he just looks like Count Orlok. You know, he just looks like he. He reminded me of like imagine like a evil Danny DeVita. he's kind of got that body <laughs> like an egg he's got like, the wild hair and the whole time I was just thinking like everybody else in this film looks relatively normal apart from this one guy who's so yeah. kind of freakish well, that, I mean, kind of, that kind of plays into
0: the plot later doesn't it that they believe yeah. that mock that is this, uh, this evil present that has come around in their village it, but yeah. you're right it, it's a really it's a really weird thing to watch from a modern day perspective um, like because it's a silent film you mentioned earlier about the, the way that people act and stuff like that but it is like in silent films they had to turn up everything kind of had to be turned up visually so emotion yeah. that actors have to be more more clearly emotive in the way that they, they act And they have to be a bit over the top to really show the audience their feelings without speaking. And, you know, outside of the continuous, like, subtitle dialogue we get throughout, given to explain the story and and dialogue, um, like, this is is why some people kind of struggle, I think, with these kind of classic films, because everything seems a bit what we'd probably call maybe a bit hammy, a bit overacted. And it it is something that continued, like, it kind of continued in, like, classic films. So even films all the way up until, say, the 50s and 60s, some people I've heard say, I can't watch classic black and white or I can't watch early, like, colour film because the acting's just so kind of over the top. But that's because those actors grew up with people like Max Schreck (laughs) um, you know, kind of doing that kind of acting. That's what they thought acting truly was at that time. There was no such thing as, like, there wasn't so much of acting schools and acting academies and coaches back in the 20s it was no. it was something that you kind of did based on theater and play like you said so everything is a bit turned up to really show that emotion level
1: um, and it's very clear like i think you know it's it, it for, for instance the the weights are very clear that you know it's part of a costume and uh, and like you, like you said today, you know a lot of the, a lot of the effects and a lot of the stuff like that is mostly you know amazing. It's it's very if you look at some actors and actresses that do sometimes wear wigs. Sometimes it could be hard to tell if it's a wig or if it's actually the hair. You know, costume and prop designs are kind of so far advanced now that we have that. But back then, you know, it, it's very clear where you know who's wearing a wig, and it, it does have this kind of stage play feel to it. But then I, I guess that's you know that's that's part of the charm to it. Like you said, that's how it was. when these films were coming around; um, most yeah. people probably wouldn't have had a chance to to go to the cinema to see films as much. It wasn't like, you know, we had blockbusters coming out at the time. Uh, so oh, no. you it would was probably... A, it was an event yeah. back then. It was, yeah. it, it was classic. <laughs> it was a classic thing to get to
0: go <laughs> It 1920s, was a very classy affair. You know what I mean? 1920s, people used to dress, you know, like, not they don't do it anymore, but in the theatre until, you know, for quite a long time, people would go to the theatre dressed up and in the cinemas as well people would still go to the theater like cinemas theaters they would go dressed up in their classiest clothing and it would be a real event it's not like it is now where you could literally show up in your your adidas tracksuit just like lounging about like basically eating, like a look at looking like you've uh, been in an absolute state all day long like
1: <laughs> yeah i feel we should bring it back going to cinemas and like uh... Tuxedos and top hats, you know, like Bugs Bunny <laughs> yeah. and Daffy Duck and stuff like that. <laughs> just walking I mean, into yeah. the cinema, yeah, I mean, wearing, cakes.
0: a tux on every time, a tux, a yeah, cake. A, cake? <laughs> a cake, a cake, a tux and a cake. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good too, a tux and a cake and a monocle. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: they, I mean, there were some moments in this film where I mean, I messaged you. Um, so, like we said. It, we I don't think we we can really go through scene by scene. It is basically yeah. Dracula, but so we'll go through. And we'll pick our highlights and stuff like that. Um, but and so there was a scene for me where um, I keep wanting to call them by the um, by the Dracula names. You know, you want me so, to uh,
0: give you the? So, it's Thomas Bata, um, isn't it? So we've got so. I'll go in a in a little bit, I'll go into the the history of why this film is so mixed in the whole the copyright problem and the way it was yeah. made and why it is a Dracula rip-off kind of thing. I'll go into that in a little bit, but for now, um, so we've got Drac basically Dracula is uh, Graf Orlock or Count Orlock as many call him, and that's obviously Max Schreck, uh the hideous walking corpse with bold, pointy head, pointy teeth and long fingernails. Uh, Jonathan Harker becomes Thomas Hacker uh, who is our kind of main protagonist that we kind of follow for a lot of the film um, and um, so that's Jonathan Harker in the original story of Dracula um, Mina Harker is Ellen in this version so again the Mina Harker of Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula is Ellen Renfield is Nock so Renfield that kind of crossover of who is he and what is he that that way, and then uh, Van Helsing in this version is uh, Professor Bulmer Bulwer.
2: Yeah,
0: Bulwer. So yeah. that's kind of the the change up that they did with the cast, and one of the many things that they did to kind of thinking that they could just slightly tweak from the Dracula story to uh, avoid
1: copyright. That I'll go into in a yeah. little bit.
0: So anyway, what did we say?
1: Sorry about. That. <laughs> well, so obviously, we get the you know we get it where. Uh, kind of Hutter is passed off to um, to go to uh, Transylvania uh, because um, Count Orlok, you know, from Transylvania does it. Um, and one of the title cards that comes up reads, Count Orlok, his lordship from Transylvania, would like to purchase a nice house in a small town. And okay. then it kind of says, it will take a bit of effort, a bit of sweat, and perhaps a bit of blood <laughs> and, and it's just like how it is. But then there's a, there's a late, there's a scene where, you know, he's on his way and he kind of gets to this inn um, and uh, he says that, you know, he, he's got to go to see Count Orlock. And this is the point where I messaged you. Um, and because the whole film, it, you know, we say it's in black and white, but the, ver- the vision, the version that I watched, the vision, the version that I watched kind of was, had this yellowish tint over it. Um, I imagine yours was the same. So it wasn't completely black and white. It had this yellowish kind of tint over it. Yeah. There. Um, and there's a scene where he's in the inn, and some the innkeeper says you can't go out now. The werewolf is roaming the forest, and I'm ninety nine percent sure that because basically they show an animal in this forest, you know, just roaming yeah. around like a fox. I'm not. Well, this is what I think it was. I am 99% sure that they used a Tasmanian tiger for that, which was known as a phylocene. It's kind of like, it looks like a small kind of wolf and it's got like a striped back. It's quite like a a fancy looking animal. And it actually went extinct in nineteen thirty. Which is why I messaged you. I think there's an extinct animal in this forest <laughs> right, you yeah. just see it sniffing around in this forest, um, and then <laughs> and it just stuck out to me because I was like, "Wasn't was that animal extinct at the time, or was that just like a <laughs> random animal?" Uh, yeah. But I'm sure it's it's a it's a Tasmanian tiger. Um, an and interesting then little tidbit. <laughs> yeah, and then there's another little bit where he's being. Um, I think I think there's supposed to be these kind of uh, gypsies that are kind of escorting him to the to Count Orlok's uh, castle. Obviously, in later versions, it's it's uh, one of his kind of like uh, thralls who's kind of escorting Jonathan Harker, but um, Hutter is taken, and I I am sure, and I don't know if this was just uh, a problem with the the setting or something but I'm 99% sure that one of the people was in blackface it was the guy who was on the carriage and it felt so strange watching him because I was like he's kind of, he's centre stage and I was thinking is it just like, I don't know, this this tint that is over things or is this guy <laughs> in blackface and the whole you know, the whole thing came to me about kind of like, I think you know, I, I
0: think I know which one you're on about, yeah I, yeah. I mean, I guess
1: at the, t- oh, at the time it was well,
0: uh, it was done it, a lot,
1: wasn't it? In, yeah, the yeah, I mean it, it was it was a common practice. Like when was um, let's be honest, when did it stop kind of happening? Like when was um Lawrence Olivier? When was he doing films? I don't think it was quite. This... His
0: like, say so, yeah, he's like a fellow was in the sixties. That one, but even that—that that wasn't the end of it because that was deemed as a masterpiece of the time. And really, you know, well, I was
1: thought that was kind of the end of it.
0: No, I don't. Well, I mean, oh I, yeah, it's, it's nineteen
1: sixty-five.
0: It still popped up in. It still popped up in things since that point in history. Um, the whole you know, blackface has kind of yeah, like I, appeared. So I don't know. I don't know when it ended, but I I feel like it became. I don't know, when would it have become unacceptable? That's a hard point in history to pinpoint.
1: <laughs> I, yeah. what, well, even I, I don't d- know
0: what you'd get if you went into Google when I did that know. face become unacceptable. <laughs> like, I like, know. People would just go, it was, it was never acceptable.
1: It was never acceptable. And that's the thing, it, it never was acceptable. But I always thought that Laurence Olivier was doing, uh, I always thought that film took place in like the 1940s or something. And then yeah, wasn't yeah. there a James Bond where? Um, Sean Connery is like, does Jap- uh, Japan face? Yeah, Jap-
0: yeah, again, that was 60s Japanese face. That was yeah. Um, yeah. You only lived twice, and he yeah. had that proper Jap- I, I yeah. There's definitely after the sixties as well. There's definitely lots of examples of blackface still being like very yeah.
1: I mean, I don't know if it was something that definitely happened in this film, or but, if it's just the tonal thing. Or um, if it's just the tonal thing. But yeah. I was kind of, but it made me think like. You know, I'm watching a film that's a hundred years old, and it and I, d- I don't know. I think because this was such uh, a new kind of thing to me watching a film that, that is this old, I mean, I don't think I've seen many films that are probably before the 1960s, in all honesty. Um, so, seeing something that is this, and like you said, looks more like a stage play, and I didn't even expect there to be. A symphony score alongside of it, you know. When I'd heard of silent pictures, I was under the impression that it was basically mostly silent for the whole thing. So yeah. it kind of came as a surprise to me. Um,
0: but those, <laughs> Have were, you never those seen, were I don't know Laurel and Hardy or, <laughs> you know, no, well, if kind of, had I've seen Laurel and Hardy. No, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. So yeah, things like It's a Wonderful Life or. Wisdom oh, I've life. seen it's a Not silent, but those were made in yeah. the forties. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it's a wonderful life. Um, yeah. So but, yeah, um, I guess... you mentioned about uh, I found I found quite interesting was color in the film, like you mentioned about that kind of um, that kind of like sepia, yellowish, oranges tone. Um, but obviously, um, it took me a second to re- because there's a scene when you first see him uh, when he's underneath the little tunnel. Yeah. When you first see um, Count Orlock, or under the little tunnel there. And I remember thinking in my head, like, oh, wait a sec. Like, I, I, because it's very hard to tell um, day and night. Day
1: and night. Yeah, it really is. And, uh,
0: but then I realised that they've actually done it on the film to show you day and night. I just didn't, it didn't click straight away. So um, it, during the day, it's like a sepia, yellowish, orangish kind of tone. When it yeah. went to night, it became a bluish tone.
1: Oh yeah! So uh, if you look uh, yeah, on the screen,
0: would... it ha- the bluish tone represented night because he says that the thing that made it realize in my head was when the character first um, goes up to um, Hutter and says, um, "It's midnight. All of my servants are in, you know, yeah chambers asleep." And then I suddenly realized I was like, "Oh yeah, it's not. It's blue now. It's not. It's not that yellowish kind of tone. It's now gone blue." I hadn't clopped that.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I I was
0: wondering if you would have, because it it occurred to me, and I was like, I don't think many people would have spotted that. I I don't think it just, it doesn't ring a bell in your head. You don't notice the different colour and change, because I think in your head, even though the colour is there, you're still thinking that this is like a black and white film. So I don't think you think much about the colour change, but it's actually a, because obviously at that point in time, they don't have, they didn't have the lighting. They couldn't just move lighting around and have nighttime lighting. Shoot everything needed the daylight, so yeah. everything needed it. So it, it's quite a clever trick to have. You know, yellow is day, and blue is night.
1: It so is, the, the and I don't know whether that, tell. I don't know whether that would have been something common at this time as well. But yeah, again, maybe that is something that, because of the advancement, where we you know now we do use light. And, you know we're used to movies being set at night quite a lot i don't know whether this would have been a common theme that they did back then i didn't yeah. notice that at first i when that scene happened and he was like it's midnight um you know all of my servants are asleep i was like what are you talking about it's like yeah. <laughs> it's like daytime. It's the same
0: reason um, when he's out on the boat as well the boat is that's what i that noticed so when he's out that's on the what boat i noticed. And it, you're like wait a sec what are you doing on the boat it's, it's it's the middle of the it's the middle of the night um, and then, obviously, um, you also get yep. the uh, at the end, as the as the sunlight comes in, it, it's not so much yellow as more of a, a light orangish tone to show the the dawn is coming. Yeah. And as we see him, you know, do the old into the oh, ah, yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, he, and he, you know, fades away. <laughs> the, yeah. Um, it's like a, it's like an orange, like a sunset or sunrise kind yeah. of color. So it kind of gives that. I don't know though. At the same time, I don't know if that is something that was. Is I don't know if that's the original version or if it was in full black and white. And our updated version has added those colors to show. I don't know if the original version actually shows these color tones. It could be yeah, that they've added yeah. over time, so people can tell the difference between day and night. I don't yeah, know if the I... original was pure black and white, just pure. You know, as is. it's yeah. not. It's a. It's I, a brilliant. It's a brilliant way to show. Once you click onto it, obviously, but it's a brilliant way to kind of show the difference when they didn't have the ability to.
1: Yeah, I think it's really good, and I, I, I think Max Shreck is, um, you know, is he's inc- he's he is incredible as in Um I think the way in which he looks, it's it is such. It's such an iconic look, and this was kind of long kind of before we had a lot more, um, you know, kind of makeup prosthetics and stuff like that. But they made, you know, they made an extremely iconic look of Count Orlok, you know. Um, especially kind of later adaptions of Dracula, such as, you know, Bello Negosi and, um, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head now, Saruman, Christopher Lee, Christopher Lee Angela, Ga- Gary Oldman, yeah, Gary Oldman, <laughs> all of them. Kind of, if kind of portray, uh, you know, him as being more handsome and more charismatic in this kind of flamboyant. stuff, flamboyant, <laughs> maybe. Um, and whilst later on in the film, when he does, you know, he works his his vampire voodoo on uh, on Mia or Elena, as she's known, um, he still kind of has this look of kind of. L- like a monster you know he's got these big ass ears he's got he's got a big old head um, you know he's got those elongated yeah, I, arms and fingernails
0: I, I i love i love the design of him here um there, there's to be honest the thing about me although i love
1: vampires there's a part of me that i don't know if never i don't know if your internet just cut out but um, i had
0: a little bit of a yeah. lag there um
1: yeah there's a part of
0: me that never truly loved the whole. I mean, even the Gary Oldman through to the Christopher Lee. Although I like, I, I like what they kind of did with it in a way. I've never loved that version of Dracula. That kind of cape oh, wow. wearing kind of kind of version. I it's not the version that I really like. It's not the version I think scary. I think this version is a scarier vision of what Dracula could be. This is like a this is someone who's dealing with almost like both long living and this uh, like kind of like a curse. Almost. They're not a beautiful looking thing. They don't. They're not like Bella Lugosi as Dracula or Christopher Lee. They were they were they were in beautiful costumes. They were like beautiful looking like men. They were, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they were, the, sexual, they were like men. sexual men. You know, what I mean? they were the sexual yeah. men. Um, that that's what their versions were you know what i mean not not so much gary alderman's plate uh, goes the line a bit differently i guess there's, there's a bit of both, yeah what do he get yeah.
1: yeah he does both
0: but it's it's that kind of in this version he he's kind of almost more like a kind of he's more like animal than man. he's kind of like this animal yeah. hiding away kind of like you said about the, the long nails and almost like claws and you know, the teeth, but the the teeth, if you notice, are more, more kind of like in the centre of his mouth, not yeah. on the sides, not like the classic Dracula kind of teeth. It's more in the middle, which is more like, a I don't know, my, my rabbits have teeth like that. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like that it's kind a of fe-
1: animal. Yeah, it's a bit more animalistic, I guess, in its kind of design and stuff like that. Um, and even the way he kind of slinks around and moves is, yeah, it's, it's a lot more of this kind of I guess back then, maybe it comes from having to have things a lot more exaggerated um, that we do end up with this kind of portrayal of it. Um, then obviously, you know, we get the scene where um, uh, you know um, Hooter Hutter cuts himself, and then he kind of says about wasting the sweet blood and stuff like that. Um, but I think That's my yeah, one of my kind of. Uh, favorite parts uh, to to jump ahead quite a lot uh, was um, and you know if you're fine to jump quite, quite a little bit far ahead is but, when we do actually get to the boat um, and yeah, yeah. you know
0: I, I mean the yeah. film is a slow build it's a, it's a slow build it's it's not it you know I I like it in one way that that's how they play the story out but it's definitely. This is why we said we couldn't quite, I don't think we could talk for it scene by scene because not every no. scene has everything to a, to say and obviously there are some bits when there's five minutes of pretty much just dialogue on screen that you're kind of following along in German yeah. and then looking at your English subtitles.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but the scene where, you know, we, uh, you know, we do, we see, uh, we follow the, the boat, I can't remember the name of the boat, uh, but you know we we see that we see the it says that kind of one of the um, one of the sailors has taken ill and then eventually they all kind of start to drift off and that's where we you know uh, when we're only left with two uh the captain and the first mate. i think it says you know um day by day the the sailors dropped um with puncture marks in the fr- in the necks or something like that um, and that um it's just the, you know, it's just the first mate of the captain left. Um, and then when he, you know, I think, he, I, I'm not sure which one it is that kind of goes downstairs. Um, but one of them goes down with the axe and discovers all of the coffins. Um, and then we get the iconic scene of Count Orlok kind of rising up from his uh, yeah. his coffin. Amazing you know, it's, it, Yeah, it's such an amazing shot. And I would imagine at this time, like, You'd be shitting yourself, man. You know? Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Th- th- it's an easy thing to forget that this character must have been so scary. Like this, this is probably the- one of the few like first like really mainstream horror films to be seen, kind of thing. Yeah. So this is this is terrifying to you. So what some of you might think, oh, it looks a little bit silly. Although I'd say that one shot, especially, I don't think that it. Was- I think that still looks awesome. <laughs> like, it
1: that looks, still yeah, looks it iconic plans.
0: as ever. Um, it, I don't think that one comes across cheesy. He looks scary. The slow movement up, how, how visually, how to create that must have been because the, it, this was before even stop motion was a major. Like as I said before, there were there were parts like George Melias, but that was to create like a three-minute short film, not to create a whole yeah. film where you had a lot of these. I know that they had I to do be- things like they had to do like film cells on top of film cells to kind of lay them on top of each other to create that quick yeah. movement. So they had to. They came up with some techniques in the film that were used for decades after.
1: <laughs> but I don't know how they would have done that because, like you said, you can't see wires or anything like that. And it looks as if it's just such a smooth transition. It's not like choppy, you know. It looks so smooth, him kind of rising up. Um, but it is. It's such like a. It's such an iconic scene, and I think it's just amazing how we just, you know, um, uh, how and, and like you said, all of the kind of the deaths in this and stuff like that were all kind of off-screen, but it's the, it's still the implication, you know, and you know yeah, it, that something it, it's something. It's a building,
0: happen. like well, like I said about the slow build, but when it actually starts to get to the deaths and stuff, it becomes a proper kind of. There's lots of deaths, and I think at that point in time, especially, you start to get more and more anxious about what's happening and why is it happening, and questions about what is going on and them happening. And I love the links to, um, I love the links to like the uh, Black Death.
1: Yeah. Um, well, the idea as he is, arrives at the top. yeah, they start yeah, saying but, that the plague was spreading. Yeah, it's amazing.
0: So the bites are just, I'd be, and again, it links to that whole idea of his teeth, like, like I said before, kind of rodent-like teeth.
1: So the marks yeah.
0: wouldn't be like the classic one where you've got two wide marks far apart. The marks on yeah. the necks are more like the classic kind of, of rat bites. So they're really... Thought about at the time that they the 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 time because this is meant to be more like the eighteen hundreds kind of point. They're thinking about the Black Death and they're thinking about the plague and they're thinking about how can we play this out. The idea that um, Nosferatu was the Black Death.
1: Yeah, Um, it's so cool.
0: And again, Nosferatu, and that's another thing I I said about like the Dracula thing. Nosferatu is such a cooler name than Dracula. I'm it kind it out. of is, isn't it? I kind of Nosferatu, Dracula. Yeah, Dracula. Wales, but it doesn't. I don't. I never thought Dracula sounded scary, but Nosferatu. That sounds scary. <laughs>
1: that well, sounds I think terrible. Nos. I think Dracula sounds good as a name for an individual, but Nosferatu sounds better as for like a name. It's as a vampire. You know what I mean? Like other Nosferatu. Yeah. You know, yeah it's a pretty it's a it's quite a terrifying name isn't
0: it um, it, it, it is it's good it's, it's, i I loved that part but yeah i i love that part there's a, there's a part when you know obviously and again this is like jumping ahead a little bit but the when he's in the town and they're living in the village and stuff but just to link to that part about the like the black death i loved one shot when you see all the pole bearers coming down the yeah. street There's like four of them in a row behind each other. And the coffins are just starting to pile up. Obviously, this is once he's there and the the body count is starting to get much larger. Yeah, But I loved that shot, the shot of them coming down the street like that. I was like, that is such a beautiful shot.
1: Yeah. Um, And this, I mean, there were some things that kind of did, I'm not going to lie, just absolutely creased me up. Uh, particularly the the letters that thomas hutter sends to uh helen you know there's i can't remember what they're like but they're basically just like i'm alone in this strange castle and it's very (laughs) weird and then the next one's like this is literally one after my first night in this castle i found two large bites on my neck from mosquitoes from spiders I don't know, it's just kind of like, just getting
0: worse and worse. What kind of spider do you think is doing that kind of bite on your neck if it's this bite? I know. I think it's a, I mean, in one way I'd say I I assume it's a a lost in translation kind of thing where translating it into English it sounds like very stunted English, like all of the writing, like the way it's written and stuff like that, all sounds quite like This doesn't sound like something that someone would actually say. This doesn't read like real dialogue. (laughs) That is so funny. That's not how someone would write a letter. It's quite humorous. I mean, the Huster character in general, I feel that he is, uh, we're talking about that over-exaggerated emotive kind of, his character is very (laughs) over-exaggerated. Yeah. The the actor is kind of it in a very kind of, (gasps) His eyes are wide, his arms are thrown up, he's excited. You can really tell he's excited. He's jumping around and he's so happy. Yeah. If he's terrified, he's like falling to the ground and he's like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> Be God beast. So, yeah, it literally is so like in your face. It, I mean, I, I loved it, but yeah, to, to modern day, it seems quite...
1: Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing that jumped out for me was like, imagine sit like getting somebody from the nineteen twenties who watched this, and then just being like, "Do you want? Do you want? Do you want to watch something like Avengers: Infinity War?" <laughs> just seeing like all the <laughs> CGI, and being like, "Oh my god!" Uh, like their brains it, would explode. <laughs> yeah, Is yeah, that What like, like, I see they but they <laughs> just think it was real. I swear to
0: God, they would. They would think that what they're seeing is so real. Because, like, our minds can't, like, it, it, it's like when we watch, if we watch, a, like, a like a, 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 something that's been newly created with CGI or something like that in a certain time period, so, like, Avatar or something like that, you see it and you're like, fucking hell, this seems like the most realistic things I've ever seen. Yeah. Or even in video games, like, if we see something on PS4, we're like, fucking hell, this looks so photorealistic. And then yeah. suddenly, like, five years later, you look back at it and because the technology's changed and your brain has now got used to an even more re- photorealistic kind of... Yeah. You look back at it and go, oh, that doesn't look so real anymore. That looks kind of cheap and crap. But it was, yeah. But it's because our brains are constantly, like, evolved through time to see it in this way. So if you showed someone from the 1920s, I swear to God, they'd have, like, a seizure. <laughs> <So> Their <that laughs> brain would just shut down.
1: <laughs> like, going back to what you were saying, though, it's true. Like, I remember... Uh... I remember getting a PS2, like my, bro- my, my older brother Chris getting a PS2. And I remember playing a Mission Warlords and being like, which was a launch game for it, and being like, oh my God, this is like photorealistic. like <laughs> Nothing's ever got, to, like, gra- this is the peak of graphics. Nothing's going to get better than this. And then looking back like 20 years later, it's like, oh, I could probably do that on my iPhone. You know what I mean? I, like I could just play that on that, you know. It's yeah, it's true. Like we, we kind of adapt to kind of where the technology is at the moment, and then we kind of struggle to think like, How can we top this? And you'd be watching Nosferatu in nineteen twenty two, like, how could you possibly top this? How could yes, you make a creature exactly. more disgusting than better
0: but at the same yeah. time, there's also the test of time and the fact that, although not all elements work, it's amazing that a film that's a hundred years old and some part yeah. of it still actually stands up as, like that rising or the, the floating coffin or the, or just the some of the shots and camera angles and stuff like that. The fact that they still hold up a, a hundred years later and you can look at it and still say that is actually still stands as great art is yeah. an amazing thing you know that that his character he, he, i think that the whole the to the, the count orlock the fact that i i still kind of in a way think that that's possibly one of the best interpretations of a vampire after we've been oversaturated for years yeah. with tv shows games movies of vampires and i still think that that's still visually one of the most stunning versions of a vampire i think it's like shit how many yeah. Twilight won't we'll be able to see that in 100 years. We never know.
1: Then. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, but I agree with you. I think it's, it, it's kind of power to the film, you know, and it, and it's power to it as kind of an art form because even like, like I said earlier in the episode, I was expecting there to not be any, any sound at all. Um, but uh, the score's beautiful, you know, and I, I am huge for film scores. Um, and just the whole orchestral sound was was amazing, and it was great that you know everybody had their own kind of theme almost, and you know the music changed when Orlok, Orlok was coming on, and you know, and you could sense the mood was changing, and just the way in which it, 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 it's paced and the way in which the music goes along, with it, or the score goes along, with it, it, was just like even even a hundred years on, it was just incredible. I mean, people who probably played on that score are most likely dead now, which is pretty but, freaky, but this, it's still holding up, you know? Well, this would be interesting
0: thing, though. That's not the original score of the film. So, yeah. um, because as you mentioned before about silent films that you didn't necessarily think of them of having a score and things like that, Well, when this film was first presented, it was presented on a screen with an with a with an orchestra playing it oh wow with a conductor who'd made music for it um but the original that original those people have tried to recreate it that original score that wasn't recorded or anything that was just a live score to go along with it there was no music yeah because you you couldn't edit in music in the original oh way. wow so films used to have like people playing the music that was set separate um so there's there's no recorded version of the original version of the song, and there are like really? five or six different versions. Like you you can go out there and you can find like I believe if you get like the Blu-ray, or so there's like four different versions of the music that you can have. There's even one that's more like modern, like up bass, upbeat kind of up bass, like more <laughs> like kind of
1: a stiff soundtrack
0: dubstep <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but Yeah. so it's really interesting the things that were kind of lost in this kind of production the fact that this film still kind of is here is actually also because a lot of the films of that time people don't have copies of some of the films of that time like they're gone they're lost in history Yeah.
1: Kind of. so it is really interesting Which, I mean to be fair so I mean it's a German film Um, 1922, so obviously post-World War One, and you know, there was a lot of art that was destroyed in, kind of, you know, um, in World War Two, so yeah, it is, it's a testament to the the power of the film that it was able to, kind of, survive and that we can still watch it today which is, kind of, I don't I I find it amazing that, you know a hundred years on I I am now watching this for the first time and you know it's kind of incredible that a hundred years ago people would have been watching this for the first time and there's still people who will be discovering this for the first time you know maybe even after listening to this episode going back and thinking you know I've seen bits and uh, I've seen clips here and there but maybe I actually want to watch it so it's kind of incredible that it still has legs, you know. Well,
0: there's, because there were legitimate people who believed that Max Shrek was a was a vampire. Like, there's a legitimate <laughs> con- like, at the time people believed he really was. But there was actual legitimate conspiracy that he was such a kind of a strange kind of person that they believed that he actually was a vampire. Uh, his last name, for instance, Shrek, and uh, not not the uh, <laughs> yeah, no. not the donkey and Shrek kind of variety of Shrek, but the the that sh- Um, He his last name in German Schricht means terror so he's Max Terror in the translated version he's Max Terror so it's kind of he was made for horror, there's even a a, a John Malkovich and William Dafoe film where William Dafoe plays Max Max Schricht
1: which I haven't seen and now I definitely
0: want to watch it where they took this concept of the idea that there was so much uh, there was so much idea surrounding that he might really be a vampire that that film is both uh, how they made Nosferatu but they've also mixed in the plot idea that in this version though Max Schreck really is a vampire that's why really? the they're wanted. <laughs> yeah that's what the story about it is it's not it's not a legitimate biography about the film it's actually Yeah I, heard about...
1: Mixed that I heard about that together.
0: I heard it was awesome but you was it is <laughs>
1: it Shadow of the Vampire isn't it? Yeah
0: um, so I've probably heard want about... to check that film uh... out.
1: Now, the Shadow yeah. of the Vampire I mean, it had. We know Defoe William, was matchup, Schre- and we know William <laughs> Defoe hangs dong, so there was a bit definitely some dong hanging in that film. Uh, whether we're, Max hangs dong, we don't know. I, I, I'm assuming that one
0: was lost in history, sadly. Uh, there's, the, there's, an <laughs> yeah. uncut, there's an uncut version where
1: literally most of the film hangs dong. He just hangs <laughs> yeah. And so does um, <laughs> <laughs> not the, And that's another funny bit is when they cut, you know. Um, is one of the things is that in this film is the the version of Van Helsing that we get in this, which is um, Professor Wilbur, whatever his name is. <laughs> I haven't got it on hand. Let me have a look. Um, yeah, uh,
0: oh, I had it. Professor can... Bolwer.
1: Yeah. I love that there's a scene where they're looking at the bodies and he's like, you know, uh, um, here, here's this man dead. Puncture wounds to the neck. We have a vampire, sir, like that, and all the and all the gentlemen around are like, yes, a vampire, one hundred percent. And it's like, one, I like the fact that everybody's just like, oh yeah, it's definitely a vampire. Whereas in a modern day film, if you were like, there's a vampire, people would be like, nah, don't be, don't be yeah, stupid, fuck off, mate. Um, <laughs> and then the second one is, then they're like, knock's a bit weird looking,
2: isn't he? <laughs> like,
1: yeah. and then they chase him, I mean, <laughs> and yeah, no, I, I love like? the um,
0: I love the part with the professor where he just he keeps showing his students like the the Venus flytrap, and he, he yeah. shows them a range of different animals, and every time he shows them the different animals and creatures in the, the, yeah, microbiome, and yeah, and all those kind of elements, every time he gets the same conclusion, pretty much of like a vampire. <laughs> it's like he's continually having to make the same point. <laughs> ah, this I is love a it. Kind of hunter. Yeah. Like a vampire, like he has to prove, he's already proved it, and yet he still continues to prove it. Like, do you see how everything's like a vampire except the vampire? That's actually a vampire, <laughs> yeah.
1: I love, yeah, I love that bit with the Venus flytrap because he's like, Look how it lies in wait, yeah,
2: and it's, it's it seduces its well. prey,
1: and then it gets it, and, I, and then and then it's just like, like a vampire. <laughs> I was like, Good Okay. <laughs> okay i get it i get it man you're obsessed just...
0: yeah. um, um yeah so as, i was thinking as we've as we've mentioned we've mentioned about the the, the war and we've mentioned about this being dracula so i feel like this is a good point to kind of give us that little you that little history kind of you yeah put, some facts behind behind the creation because a lot of people because like even people that haven't seen it I think no Nosferatu, they know that imagery of Max Schreck as Count Orlock kind of there hanging over or that rising image kind of thing. And and most people obviously assume that it's the original horror film and things like that, which we've already mentioned it is not quite, yeah. but it, it's close. And it kind of yeah. probably is the first fully fleshed out kind of horror film. Um, but a lot of people um, stated you know, that this is the first ever vampire film and this is the first ever adaptation of Dracula. And, yeah. you know, and also that this is the only reason that vampires, some people, I look, literally saw when I was looking around people were like, oh, their statements were so broad to be like, ah, oh, and this is also probably the main reason that vampires are popular and became popular in media and stuff like that is because of this film. All of which I'd kind of say is not really not really true, <laughs> and I'm I'm here to tell you the truth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spill their beans, baby.
0: Um, so, uh, a Dracula film actually did come before this. So there was a Dracula film called Dracula's Death, um, which did have permission of the Stoker family, um, but it didn't stick to the story. It had it had like Dracula. He wasn't so much like a a, a count and a rich he was kind of a he was like a musician and it okay. was based on like the nightmares that that the that the um that the char- the female character was having about this creature coming in the night um but the film no longer exists uh, oh. th- there's no copy left in the world of it apart from a few stills so although this was technically the first ever vampire film no one I don't I'm not sure theres there's basically no one alive who's ever seen it anymore <laughs> yeah what do what happened to it so um yeah so uh, I believe over time it 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 was kind of like a, it wasn't really picked up in the in the manner it w- would expected and it was left on a shelf and basically the original film just died because it happens quite a lot there were episodes of say I don't know like a TV show like Doctor Who where There are loads of early episodes they don't have because they left it on a shelf and it basically disintegrated. (laughs) You know, some episodes they they don't have anymore, and there are some films, like I said, from the nineteen twenties, thirties, forties, that have been wiped out of existence because basically they were left in storage and they they disintegrated over time. The film doesn't last forever. (laughs) Wow. Um, So. So the, the the back story is basically that um they made this a uh, Pernell was the film studio. Um, so Pernell was the film studio and um they 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 liked the, uh, they wanted to create a Dracula story. Um because uh during World War 1 the owner of the company his son during World War 1 had had met a farmer um while he was in France. And the farmer told him the story of how his son was a vampire.
2: So okay. the farmer
0: had told him this weird, strange story, which he thought may have been uh, inspired by reading Bram Stoker's Dracula. And he had this weird tale of how there was this strange boy in a basement who, who they believed to be a vampire. Now many believe. Like based on the story and the way they described it, that he probably was just someone with a disability of some kind. Oh,
2: but they described it <laughs> as a vampire,
0: um, yeah. and this made him want to make a vampire film. So um, when this, this film studio came to be, the first thing they wanted to create was Dracula. They wanted to make Dracula. Um, however, they didn't want to pay the Stoker family for Dracula. <laughs> they didn't want to pay for the rights. Well, there's two ways. Some people say that they couldn't get the rights. Some people say that they couldn't, they, they didn't want to pay for the rights. or yeah. uh, seem to say is they didn't want to pay for it. So basically, they have the idea that if we don't want to pay for it, then what we can do is we can just slightly alter everything about the story. And then surely we're not infringing on copyright law. So they changed all of the characters, like we mentioned. They changed the setting. (laughs) They changed the setting from England to Germany and said, yeah, that's good enough. They they tweaked things like him having, you know, the big castle and stuff like that, making it less obvious that he has certain things like that and certain traits. And But they pretty much kept most of Dracula's traits the same, except for the fact that they made him more monstrous and less kind of as I said, kind of flamboyant. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. And in response to this, um, Bram Stoker's wife, after Bram Stoker had passed away, um, now, obviously, the original film, Bram Stoker's, it wasn't actually very profitable.
2: Um,
0: He didn't actually make, he didn't make Bram Stoker a wealthy man. Um, He, he had, uh, obviously, he created this and it was hugely praised by you know Arthur Korn and Doyle and people like that had all spoken so highly of this novel saying that it's terrifying yeah. and scary but um it, it wasn't it wasn't really a case of it, it wasn't making a lot of money so very over the years you know certain things but it wasn't a great success. So when Bram Stoker's wife found out that there was a film being made that was basically Dracula, but they'd received nothing for it. What she tried to do is she literally insisted, she, she sued them and literally the insistence on the suit to sue them was literally to say, you didn't even try. So basically we're gonna destroy every single copy of this film. Oh, wow. So she wanted them to literally destroy all evidence that this film ever existed. That was basically the idea. Um, but luckily for Nosferatu's bands, uh that was uh, only that would have only been legally legal in England. Okay. It didn't apply in Germany so they didn't have to do any of that. They could release nice. it in Germany. I believe that's why it didn't really have as much of a release in England because it was banned in that way but in other countries around the world mainly in Germany it was, you know, it was seen and viewed and you know, terrified the masses. So uh, that's kind of what happened with uh, the creation of Nosferatu. Was a strange story about a, a disabled boy <laughs> yeah. who was called a vampire. <laughs> that's World so World, weird. And, you know, um, so yeah, the, all of those weird things, you know, um, about you know vampires and uh, like I said, like the people kind of say it was vamp, like that Nosferatu is what made vampires popular, but really. I'd say if we went back to the original novel, I wouldn't say, like, people say we wouldn't have the vampire culture we do today without Masperati. I'm not completely, we might have a different landscape, but I can't, you can't say that this never would have become, people would have picked up Bram Stoker's Dracula again and people would have ran with the idea. Even if we didn't end up with Bela Lugosi or, or Max Schriek's versions, we would have had
1: vampires. Yeah, and absolutely. I do
0: think it, they would have.
1: Because the original I'm, novel is that strong. And I mean, vampires, you know, are, you know, not so, you know, not so much kind of these days, but because there is less kind of folklore. Um, although, you know, I did I did see something interesting the other day that says, you know, modern, like urban folklore is kind of a lot different. But then back then, you know, there was a lot of talk of kind of, you know, vampires and kind of, uh, there was a lot more of that kind of, urban folklore that did go around um and vampires are something that is in you know quite a lot of cultures um i I don't know why but you know when you're just like you do those random google searches and you're like is this real um and you look at you know cases of of people who have been reported to have been vampires and there's legends all over kind of eastern europe and the uk even in our um our first campfire tales. We spoke about the the vampire rumor in London in the seventies, yeah. um, and there's you know there's there's African folklore around vampires. You know the whole, the world has these kind of stories. So whilst yeah, whilst Nosferatu is extremely popular, um, and probably you know did I would definitely say it's influential within that. Um, I think eventually we would have picked up on. The, things you know um just because Absolutely. as you know as we do
0: just animals in general kind of inspire these kind of folklore you know
1: you know, yeah. there's a reason
0: the bat became such a part of the vampire kind of culture because of the way you know they have certain features about them so this idea of a blood blood-sucking creature was always going to become you know a major part of, of yeah. horror in general whether or not this film was him But that, as we said, that doesn't mean that this film wasn't influential. And this film is also the reason that a certain um, known uh, trope and known part of the character of Dracula is actually known in the mainstream now. There's a part that this film actually created that the original novel actually
1: didn't create. I'm going to guess what it is. Go then, go. (laughs) I'm guessing it's him being destroyed by daylight. Yes, that is the one. So, I always remember
0: that. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's, it's interesting because the idea that they, they burn up or die or disintegrate from, from sunlight isn't in the original novel. Uh, it's implied in the original novel that they kind of get weakened by sunlight. Yeah. But it doesn't say that they get killed or destroyed because there are parts in the story where he is outside, it's believed. Yeah. Like, it's read as in daylight, in the daytime kind of thing. Uh, yeah. so yeah so that, this is one part but I think that that's become such a major that is a major thing oh yes for the massive vampires. the idea that sunlight destroys them. like some of them a lot of the whole plot or the only reason we've been able to destroy them in certain horror movies is due yeah. to getting to daylight that's yeah. all they've had
1: <laughs> yeah definitely um, I mean the, and, and it is you know we'll go to the ending because like you said yeah absolutely um, and it, it is, yeah it is it's such a you know it's such an iconic moment you know he he he's you know we read that it's kind of different where he has to be like sucking a maiden's blood whilst the sun hits to be truly destroyed Um, and I believe that's revealed in um, in a book or something like that it's just a book I think the professor just has some, like a book of vampires or something like that. Yet again, he's fucking obsessed. Um, <laughs> and um, it, you know, it's that bit where, you know, he's kind of, he's, he's, uh, you know, he, he buys the derelict house opposite. Um, and he's kind of, f- through that, the kind of bar, you know, the bars on the window, that kind of iconic look thing where he's kind of staring out he's hypnotizing uh, Eleanor and it, it you know what it really reminded me of um it was because fe- hit the hit the look himself Count Warlock is very uh kind of you could see that Salem's Lot. um I can't remember the count's name in Salem's Lot, but uh, uh, oh yeah yeah um,
0: definitely inspired by
1: Nasrati that
0: version yeah
1: so this, um, and that is, you know, it kind of comes from this scene where, you know, Nosferatu, Count Orlok is kind of, uh, making Mia open the window, and then he kind of glides through. You know, it's, it's such a, yeah, it's just such like this iconic, image, you know, um, and as it when he as he kind of gets stuck in, you know, the sun comes through, and then he kind of. Yeah, disintegrates. You know, he, he hits that thriller and then disintegrates. It's the it's the modern day equivalent of like hitting a dab and then get and then like dying of a heart attack. You know what I mean? Um, it's just so. It I, it I mean, at the time, this probably would have been amazing to see. You know, because like you said, I think it's that how they how they used to mix over um, uh, an actual yeah kind of like two different stills wasn't it two different images to make it so that the background stays but he disappears when they kind of overlay them um so it would have been you know it, it would have been amazing to see like the like imagining uh, you know when a bit later with the universal monsters when they saw the invisible man you know it's that kind of thing that they must have done for that it just looks so fantastic
0: yeah, it's 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 an amazing amazing fact. I I do really love the fact in 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 this with with his character, especially as as we're at the end kind of thing. And one thing I do love is the the fact that he kind of shows a slight love for Ellen, but he can't fight that animal instinct inside of him, and that is ultimately yeah. his downfall. It's a, it's a classic. It's a classic part of a story of a tale, obviously links in dracula within yeah. but it is still a classic part of the tale this kind of the downfall of it of the creature but the love that is the love is kind of shown quite here as well so i do love that part of the story
1: yeah uh, but i mean there is some stuff that obviously hasn't carried over from the um, you know, from the from the novel and being adapted, as well as it potentially could, um, oh, and yeah. that is this That's kind. You know, a lot of the romance and underlying romance of it, um, but I guess that probably more comes down to the limitations of diet You know, not being able to have as much dialogue um, and having to tell a story in a kind of a different way, potentially stripping away. <laughs> certain elements to focus on you know visual storytelling as opposed to you know dialogue and written lines and that kind of stuff yeah go for, a, <laughs> go for a little <laughs> wonder for the house <laughs> <laughs> we got a
0: little bit of a connection where I haven't seen Robbie's video in a little while so um, yeah it's alright it's alright I think we've we've kind of summed up our ideas though. we're just seeing if it would change anything but. uh yeah, so those on if you see this on a video you're seeing me walking around kind of moving <laughs> with our symbols kind of playing in the background uh, I was just having a little moot trying to see I don't I don't know what suddenly caused a little bit of a drop there um, I can still hear you clearly though so that's the important thing so if you're listening yeah. on audio you should be fine on video you might have a bit of a frozen screen. <laughs> yeah um, I mean... but either way either way I, I' completely I completely agree with that and again I'll go back to that. I love that part at the end where it, it, it explains basically that the Black Death has gone and that people are getting better and cure it. Like they believe there was like a cure and really that, like the idea that Count Warlock was that Black Death. I loved that part. That's such a good idea of bringing to real into this kind of story.
1: Yeah, it's great. Um, I mean, is there anything else you want to mention whilst we're talking about it?
0: Um, no, I um, I know I I looked, um, I I asked people earlier, but I only got a few kind of people just saying that you know that this was such a, a legendary film and an iconic film. And um, someone mentioned about uh, you know Nos uh Nurse for R2, which I think they might have been referring to the TV series because there was a short lived yeah. TV series, um, with that N O. F four A two kind of thing. So yeah. that's what they were kind of referencing on our social media. People like uh, the uh, the first, the Friday Thirteenth section and stuff like that. Some of the people on our Insta. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I I feel like this is one that maybe quite a lot of people in the horror community may know. But I wonder, have you ever seen it? And that's yeah. going to be interested. Come and tell us.
1: <laughs> I mean. So over on the on the Twitter social media at CMTH Podcast, um, I did I did put out, and uh, the only reply we got was um, was from uh, Once Upon a Nightmare Podcast. So go check them out, um, and they'd actually recently watched it themselves um and they said that they, you know there was a there was a great story behind it with bram stoker's wife which we obviously covered earlier about her trying to get the film to kind of be destroyed um, and then i told them it's the oldest film i've watched and, and they said that the oldest film they watched was uh, WF griff griffith griffith maybe uh, 1915 the birth of a nation uh, which I've heard yeah, is yeah. a pretty, I mean, is a pretty dicey film, from what I've heard. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't really. I think there's lots of kind of stuff that's a bit, you know, uncomfortable to watch these days. That's all that I've ever heard about it. I haven't. I don't actually know what it is. Um, and it, I mean, it doesn't particularly sound like something I'm overly interested in watching, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but no. I guess, um, you know, so it, Nosferatu had its release on, uh, let me just find it here. So it was 100 years ago, and it was uh, it was the 4th of March. Obviously, uh, this episode is out the 7th of March, so its uh, birthday has just been, and it's 100 years old. Um, so I guess we would like to say happy century to yeah. uh, Nosferatu. Um And if you've enjoyed the episode, um, as always, um, hit the subscribe button and leave us a lovely review. You can now actually review us on Spotify. Um, They now have reviews, so please leave us a review on there. Remember to hit the following button or the subscribe button and come and let us know what you thought of um, Nosferatu over on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, TikTok, at CMTH Podcast, and we will see you next week. Take care.